This is episode 159, Forgiving Your Mother and Letting Go with Sarah. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for listening. And a special shout out to all of you who are leaving ratings and reviews for the show. It's so super helpful. We're at five stars right now with 523 ratings. It would be super cool to get to a thousand ratings. And there's about anywhere from 50 to 70,000 of you who listen to this show. So, If just like, I can't do math right now, but if a small percentage of you go to iTunes and rate the show, that would be super cool. And I just want to acknowledge my latest review, which actually happened on my birthday, September 9th, from Julie, who says, Christine, you embody the spirit and are truly an inspiration. Your teaching style is practical and believable. I appreciate how you share your experiences as teaching tools to encourage us that change is possible and it's never too late. That is true, Julie. And whatever you see in me, Julie, or anyone else is a positive projection. Remember, you spot it. You got it. So as I just mentioned, it was my birthday a few weeks ago. I don't think I've talked about that on the show. It was one of the best birthdays I've had in a long time. I'm in a new home, finally have a home after eight months of not having one. I did a Facebook Live a couple weeks ago talking about the lessons I've learned on my journey of quote-unquote homelessness and finding home inside. And I'm in a new relationship and everything in my life feels really grounded and settled. Even the home we're living in is just surrounded by just a lot of stone and succulents and trees and there's always hummingbirds and dragonflies just flying around. And as I reflected on my birthday, as I do every year, I always sit in meditation and think about what the last year was about, (laughs) which was like a big ego death for me, and what this coming year is. It really is about service and creation. I'm writing a new book, so stay tuned for that. We're taking our mastery course and we're not doing a launch anymore. We're making it evergreen and we're really bringing new life into that community. I'm doing coaching calls every month for the, those of you in the mastery course. If you want to learn more about that, go to christinehasser.com slash mastery. We're up-leveling my signature retreat and the early bird discount for that expires on October 1st. So you'll want to check that out ASAP to save $500. All the links for this are in the show notes or you can email jill at christinehasser.com. And I'm really looking forward to spreading this podcast to even more people. I hear from so many of you how helpful it is, and I need your help spreading the word about it. I don't do advertisements or marketing for it, and so your word of mouth, sharing this with people that you love, just helps the show grow. And again, if you want to get on the wait list to get coached on the air, just email assist at christinehasler.com. I'm really excited to share today's episode with Sarah. We cover a lot of ground, so listen up and make sure you also tune in for my breakdown after the show. A few questions to consider as you're listening to this call. Did you grow up with an alcoholic parent or did you grow up in a very chaotic environment? Are you a perfectionist? Do you not like it when things feel out of control? How are you at setting boundaries? 
Are you too afraid to set them because of the other person's reaction? And do you want to be more social, but it creates a little anxiety for you, so much so that you often feel you turn into a chameleon? And do you feel fully self-expressed? Before we dive in, I want to talk about fashion for a moment. So when your billable hours start running into your happy hours, there's no time for an outfit change. Rewrite the rules of dressing for the job with Style for Work at Express. These fashion-forward pieces are designed to make syncing your professional schedule and personal life easier than ever. Shop Style for Work at Express and go from your first meeting to your last call without compromising your personal style. At Express, you can shop more sizes and more styles than ever, have all the newest looks for work, that upcoming job interview, or just to refresh your closet so you can dress for the day that you want. So here's your call to action. Shop style for work at your nearest Express store or on express.com. So get $25 off when you spend $100 on anything using the code Christine in store. Again, that's promo code Christine in store. And we'll put the promo code for express.com in the show notes. And now on to my coaching call with Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the show. How can I help? Thanks, Christine. In the past four years, I've done a lot of personal growth um, and really, you know, worked with a therapist and realized just what my role in my family was growing up. Um, I'm the oldest of four and just kind of some you know, deep-seated roles and belief systems um, that I've held on to that really uh, have not really served me going Mm -hmm. forward. Um, But the area I still really feel stuck in now is my relationship with my mom. Um, I feel like she clings on to a lot from the past and brings it up a lot. And I can definitely dive into that. And I just don't know how to move forward as an adult with boundaries who you know, if she were not my mom, might not be in my life. And mm-hmm. that's the the really hard part. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of, yeah, the starting point. Okay. What are the things that you struggle with most with her? So she battled with alcoholism. I mean, pretty much since I was born and then continuing when the next three of my siblings were born and it took her five years to get sober. And mm-hmm. so she uh, got sober when I was 12. And I'm really the only one of my siblings who remembers any of that. Sure. And through therapy, I've realized those are really the most clear memories I have as a child where I can't remember like playing with friends or just doing normal kid things. It's, yeah. Those are the ones that have really um, been very prevalent. And, you know, to kind of taking on that mom role, but not even realizing I had done that. And what has been so difficult for me now as an adult in my 30s is trying to let go of that perfectionist tendency mm-hmm. and just thinking back on, I don't think there was a time where I didn't feel like I was half was supposed to have everything just all figured out. Right. And so with her now, it's just this constant apology. And I know that some of that comes from AA and wanting, you know, to move past what she feels so guilty about. But we've we've had those conversations. I've forgiven her and mm-hmm. I'm just wanting to move forward. And what does moving forward look like to you? What do you want? I really want to be adults, you know, and for her to respect my boundaries, which to admit, I don't even know what they actually are, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's the constant, um, showing of just, Oh, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. And it just feels like it's trying to make up for the past. And, um, she'll send me gifts and I'll be like, mom, I don't want any of these. Like, 
you know, next time money would be great. Or honestly, just a card. Like, I don't need this. And then she just keeps doing it. So I don't know. And we don't live in the same city anymore. So it's not like I'm seeing her more than the holidays, but it's, it constantly feels just this like struggle. And she has just this sadness in her eyes that right. she wants more than I do. Right. Well, and it kind of feels yuck when someone else is trying to relieve their own guilt through yeah. their relationship with us. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels yuck. Um, especially, and it sounds like you've forgiven her in a lot of ways, but it also sounds like there still is a tiny bit of resentment. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny. I always feel like wherever I am in my life, whatever episode I listen to of yours, it's like, wait, that has nothing to do with my life. However, there's something that resonates with me and your episode recently with Steve, where you talked about like mentally, and I just wrote this down, but mentally, uh, understanding and justifying things that happen, but mm-hmm. like there's still pain. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what I feel. Yeah. And, yeah. And what is the pain that's still there? I think just her not being a mom. And yeah. that's what she keeps apologizing for, yet that doesn't work. And so right. I don't know, you know, if we need to just really dive into that pain together and to say, mom, you don't need to apologize. I just need you to hear me. Yeah. How have you dealt with your pain? What kind of work have you done around expressing the pain, releasing the feelings, going back to those memories? I've worked with a therapist, which has been really helpful. And just, you know, our joke is, you know, my first session with her was, well, I'm having panic attacks, but none of this is related to my parents' divorce. None of this is related to my mom's alcoholism. And then, you know, years later, all of that comes out. Right. But I don't know. I write a lot. I've I've, you know, done a half (laughs) attempt of writing a letter to myself as, you know, my little girl, as you talk about a lot. And it's just, it's really hard for me. And I don't know why I can't, it doesn't quite come out. My fiance is super supportive. So we talk a lot about this, but I don't know. It's not felt like it's been a long time of working through Mm -hmm. this and nothing has really been a 180 for me. Right. Well, a couple things please consider coming to my signature retreat in March because that's where a lot of the, and they're one of the main reasons I do it is because I hear from people like you all the time. And this has been me too. I've talked about it. I've done therapy, but the feelings are still there and I still feel stuck. And Mm -hmm. it really is an opportunity to like, let those feelings go and feel things that have been suppressed for years in a way that heals them and lets them go for the last time. So I would highly, highly, highly consider that as as a step. But let's talk about what to do in the meantime, because I want to give you some, some things here to work with. So part of why I think it's hard for you to connect with that little girl is she got hit in a way a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And she's sort of like, when I feel into it, it feels like she's just in a hiding place and it just doesn't feel safe for her to come out. Mm-hmm. So part of your healing is going to be a process of reconnecting with her. And it, it might take a while because she doesn't trust that it's safe to be a little girl mm-hmm. because she had to grow up so fast. Yeah. Can you see that? Can you see that you never really got a chance to be a little girl? Oh, a hundred percent. And we, we did have a pretty good conversation recently. Um, but these are kind of like, we'll have one and then it's, three years. And then we have another one. And I asked her, I was like, mom, I don't even know what I like to do as a kid. Like, can you just tell me what I, cause I know I was into sports, but she's like, oh, you really liked puzzles, but 
honestly, you were just taking care of your siblings and, mm-hmm. you know, with your grandma when I wasn't there. And, you know, I have some of those memories I was saying, like, are pretty deep seated, like I said, and just kind of are the prevalent parts of what I remember. So, yeah. Yeah. And that ties into why you have the perfectionism and control mm-hmm. because you had to be a grown up so soon. Part of what helps us not be perfectionists is having times in our life where we can just be messy and free and we don't have to have it all together. It's mm-hmm. very common for adults to develop perfectionism, controlling tendencies when they felt like they had to grow up fast and when they feel like they had to parent their parent Yeah, in a lot of ways. And so part of how you let go of that perfectionism and control is you let yourself be messy. Mm -hmm. You let yourself, quote unquote, fall apart. You also surrender control to others. How are you at surrendering the lead or control to your fiance? Um, I'm getting better, but that's very (laughs) difficult. I mean, he's probably the first one I ever, you know, been with that I, it feels much more doable. However, it's still like, you know, there are certain pieces that I'm like, nope, that's what I do. And, um, and that plays out in my job as well. So I'm a teacher and that's, that's definitely rung true in a lot of your podcasts of like, oh yeah, I've definitely been a mother to my students. And Mm -hmm. that sometimes feels like it's filling that, you know, that I didn't have. And it's, you know, just sometimes unhealthy, I think, um, how much I work and how much I'm like seeking that out. Yeah. Well, you're attempting to mother yourself through others, mm-hmm. which is what in a lot of ways you've done within your, your whole life. And you mm-hmm. want to turn that inward to mother your little girl and make, and, and that's going to require making her feel safe. So, you know, I, you hear me on the show, I, I coach a lot about connecting to our inner child, but until we, we take action that makes them feel like they can trust us and that they're safe. Sometimes that connection is harder. And it sounds like you're experiencing that. Like it's a little hard for you to connect to that younger part. Is that accurate? Yeah. Cause I don't even know like who she is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like your suggestion of looking at the picture and it's like, I look at that picture and I see her, but I'm like, who, what did you like to do? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, it's a discovery process. It's a real discovery process. And you do, cause she's still in there. She's still in there and she's so going to be your guide to getting out of perfection, your guide to surrendering and getting more in your feminine, your relationship. Cause you also don't want to end up mothering your fiance right. and controlling everything, you know, long-term that's not good for the relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's wonderful that he's supportive and does he, when you're kind of in that controlling perfectionist behavior, does he sort of take charge? Or does he kind of um, surrender to what you want? He will point it out to me. He'll say, oh, you're, you know, acting like this right now. And I know it's not a quality you like about yourself. So he's very good at just reflecting of what I'm doing versus like, you know, judging it or, um, you know, doing something different. But I think just something I wanted to tie in there that I remembered is that I've mentioned to my mom, like, oh, it's so difficult for me to ask for help. You know, I really just prefer to do things myself. And she goes, oh, you get that from me and I get it from grandma. And that's just how it is in our family. Like Mm -hmm. this is how the women in our family are. And so to me, it's like, but that's not, I don't want to just accept it there. Like Mm -hmm. I would like to grow and change out of that. And so, yeah, yeah, it's easy to fall back into that tendency for sure. Yeah. And it's not the way anyone is. It's just a pattern that's been 
adopted, maybe because they don't trust men or, or whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. I definitely want your fiance to listen to this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what I want him to hear is in those times when you're kind of like taking charge and taking control and those kinds of things, what I suggest you do is kind of like grab you, not in a forceful way, but in a kind of, I got you way and mm-hmm. say, Sarah, you're safe. I got this. Mm-hmm. You can let go. I got this. Yeah. How would that feel to you? I just like can't even. <laughs> yeah. Like imagine. I mean, he, he would do that, which is awesome. And I feel that way, but it's like, no one's ever done that, you know? And Yeah. Yeah. And no one was around to do that as a child, but there's lots of people around now and especially him. And mm-hmm. if you don't allow it, you'll keep blocking it. Right. Right. Yeah. So practice that with him and practice. It's going to feel weird in your body. <laughs> like yeah. even, even if you trust him and love him and all those kinds of things, there's going to be a part of you that's like, ah, and here's the other thing. Let's say you're emptying the, I'm just going to use a silly example. You're emptying the dishwasher and he's like, Sarah, I got it. Sit down. He may not do it the way you do it. He may put a glass in the wrong place or whatever, but that's part of you surrendering and trusting Mm -hmm. and deconstructing the belief that you have to do everything on your own. Right. Are you still having panic attacks? Not panic attacks, but different um, periods of really bad anxiety. And what triggers Uh, that? I feel that what I've been able to, because I used to think it was situational, like social or certain people or situations. And I've been able to boil it down to when I'm just not speaking my truth and Mm -hmm. expressing my needs and just doing what everyone else is wanting to do. Yep. so yeah, that obviously comes up in a lot of different ways. And being here now, like living away from home um, and just not knowing a lot of people, that comes up much more often. And yeah. so really trying to step into using my voice and sharing my, you know, my opinion. Um, and that has been so, so difficult for me. What feels difficult about it? It feels just like I'm on, even though being on my own, is very comfortable. It just feels like I'm on my own and all these people know it, you know, like I'm expressing an opinion that might not be how other people feel, or I want to do something that other people don't want to do. And, or just even more so just saying like, no, I don't want to go to that thing. I'd rather just do this. Right. Right. So growing up to stay safe, you had to be very adaptive, right? Mm -hmm. You had to kind of do things that pleased everybody and, and, when growing up with an alcoholic parent in a home where there's any kind of chaos or unpredictability, the strategy is what do I need to do to keep it as peaceful as possible? And usually that means not speaking up, not deferring, not deflecting, not doing things that are going to create any kind of argument or piss anybody off. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, this, the reason this creates anxiety is because it triggers that I'm not safe. I'm not safe button inside of you. Mm-hmm. So what I want you to start paying attention to is when you, when you do speak up, when you do express your truth, 
when you do put yourself out there, become an observer of people's reactions. Cause I think that you're making a lot of assumptions that aren't true. I do too. Yeah. And try it more, you know, like notice if you say something or you show up in an event and you're on your own or whatever, you might be perceiving that people are like, oh, she's on her own or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, they're not thinking that. And like allow right. yourself to be curious in those situations because you have the awareness. Would you agree you have a lot of awareness about yourself and yeah. your past and everything? Yeah. So the integration piece is, is the behavioral piece. And in those situations, because it's our self-talk that reinforces the belief and the patterning. So if you walk into, let's say you're in a new place and you get invited somewhere and you walk into a new group of people, if the self-talk is, I don't know anybody, they know I'm not, they know I'm new here, they know I'm on my own, what are they going to think of me, da, 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 it's going to trigger your amygdala, you're going to think you're unsafe, and it's going to feel like a threat, and it's not mm-hmm. going to feel good. Right. And then you're going to go back into adaptive behaviors of how do I become a chameleon? How do I either remove myself from the environment or become a chameleon to adapt? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I do. Yeah. And then you don't feel self-expressed and then you get anxiety. Right. So this is the part where you have the maturity, you've done the work, you have a loving partner, you're safe. You're Mm -hmm. safe. And where the self-talk in those kind of situations must change. And that the self-talk could be as simple as I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe and people are safe, I'm safe Mm -hmm. and people are safe. And this is again where curiosity becomes important. As a little girl, you loved puzzles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want you to start looking at people like puzzles. Mm. I want you to become more curious, less thinking about you and how people are perceiving you and more thinking about, ooh, there's a puzzle. Yeah. Let me figure this one out. If people were puzzles, how would you interact with them? Asking a lot of questions. Yeah. And yeah, I love that. And that's something I've worked with, you know, with my therapist, she pointed out, she said, you know, you have all this anxiety coming away from, you know, for example, this one weekend with a bunch of people I didn't know. And I was saying, you know, I just really wanted to ask blah, blah, you know, whoever about her relationship because they're about to get married. And I wanted to ask this person about her new job and like what the most fulfilling parts were, even though I just met her. And she said, well, why didn't you? I said, I don't know, because those are weird questions. Like people don't ask that. And she's like, well, would you rather you know, be Sarah and the person who asked those questions or come away from a weekend feeling like you feel right now. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously, but it's been hard to put into action. Well, first of all, those aren't weird questions. Those are beautiful questions. And would you agree that everyone really likes talking about themselves? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, again, it's just that place inside of you that feels like people aren't predictable. That's the limiting belief, right? Because mom was kind of unpredictable. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Right. So that just, it just triggers that, ooh, if I ask this question, what's going to happen? And that was then, Sarah, this is now. So that's mm-hmm. another thing to, to say to yourself. And just look at them as puzzles and know that curiosity is so safe. 
You're not interrogating people. You're not asking questions that are going to piss anybody off or any of those kinds of things. You're honestly curious and you're wanting to get to know people and you're wanting to connect with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, that like, I would love if someone asked me like, tell me all the reasons why you want to marry your fiance. Yeah. It's like, no, no one's asking me that. Yeah. Like, oh, great, it worked. And now you're getting married. It's like, no, there's so much more. I want to talk about that. No yeah. 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 So just put yourself in other people's shoes. And just when you, when you go into any situation, see people as puzzles. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's such a good way of thinking about it. Okay. And I have one last thing. So I want to come back to mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My suggestion is so much of, of, you said asking for help. That's another thing I was going to tell you really practice asking for help. Like every day be mm-hmm. like, how can I ask for help today? Mm. Maybe it's when someone's like, do you want help with your groceries out to the car? If you usually say no, say yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, asking for help. And anyway, have, being on this podcast is, is a good example of that. Just figure out ways that you can receive support. Yeah. Um, so with mom, my suggestion to you is going to be to write her a letter. I have one in a draft in my email right mm. now. <laughs> it's been a many month, pro- you know, process, probably years in the making. And it's been, the culmination was this phone call. And so that's definitely something I can do. Beautiful. Beautiful. So how interesting that you've already started that, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a letter I actually want you to give her. Mm. And in that letter, my suggestion to you is ma- to, for you to make requests of how you'd like her to show up and mm-hmm. to say, I understand that giving me gifts or whatever she's doing that's not working is part of how you're working to express your love to me. But here's what I really need. Mm-hmm. And really write out exactly what you need from her. Whether she does it or not is up to her. And as you continue to work through this and process some of the the anger and the resentment that you have at her. I think part of the reason it's hard for you to receive how she's trying to love you now is because there's still resentment there, which is why I was like, come in March. Let me help you with this. Let's get it out. Let's pull it out. It's like popping a big emotional zit. Um, But in, in the meantime, it's like, teach her what you need. This is also part of speaking up. Mm -hmm. Does she have a therapist or a sponsor? Yes, both. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I would request of her is bring this letter to your therapist. Mm. Have her read it with you or him, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. What is the letter comprised of so far? Um, It's a lot about explaining some experiences, you know, in in my, in the way that I experienced it. And I think the phrase that just rings true throughout the whole thing is you apologize so much for what you did. And I've heard so much about your journey of alcoholism. I mean, her being now 20 years sober is very, you know, just a key part of my family. And it's wonderful, of course. However, it is a dominating story. Mm. And I kind of feel like my story got shut down. Like, well, what was my experience going through that? when you said the piece about being unpredictable, she's still very unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what's so hard. I mean, even 
this is such a silly example, but she never sat with us growing up. Like if we were watching TV, it was always like, there's so much to do. You need to, there's so much to do. And it was just very like anxious energy that she Mm -hmm. brought. And I always had this guilt for like, oh, I can't ever sit. I can't Mm -hmm. sit and watch TV. And now she always talks about all these movies she's watching. Mm -hmm. And it like is such a trigger for me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. she should be able to watch a movie. However, (laughs) Mm -hmm. we never did that as a family growing Mm -hmm. up. And so just kind of explaining those of, I need you to not take this personally. And my own therapist has said, she might, and you can't control that. Exactly. You just have to share your truth. Exactly. Exactly. mm -hmm. It's about sharing your truth, not blaming, but explaining. Mm -hmm. And you can even say, you know, mom, you said I like puzzles and I'm putting together the puzzle pieces of my life right now and understanding all my different parts. And, and really say in the beginning, my intention in this letter is to um, express myself because I'm hiding parts of myself from you and I'm not being authentic and I'm feeling that you want a relationship with me. So this is, an, this is my attempt. This is how I'm working toward a relationship with you because mm-hmm. for us to have a relationship moving forward, I have to be authentic. Yeah. You know, are you still working with a therapist now? Yeah, the same one. Beautiful. Um, for the past five years, which has been wonderful. Beautiful. Yeah. So I would write it and and share it with your therapist just mm-hmm. to just to make sure there's not a lot of blame, blame, blame. Sharing and being authentic and saying what's true, yes. We just want to take the charge off of it, right? And mm-hmm. the therapist may be able to do that. I still want you to be super expressed, uh, but said in a way that she can hear it. And, mm-hmm. and I agree with your therapist. She may get upset. People, when we set boundaries or we express pe- with people, you know, they do get upset and defensive because like on a level, they know we're right. Right. And it's clear she has a lot of guilt by how she's showing up. She's like overcompensating. But the problem is she's not loving and connecting to you in the way that you need it. Right. And so this letter is a bit of, here's the manual mom to me. And here's, if you want a relationship with me, this is what I need. And it's, is you're giving her a chance to actually be a mom. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's her responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's been such a tricky part just because of, um, you know, my three siblings having such vastly different experiences than me and all being pretty good with her. And it's just this, like, I'm feeling, have just felt so alone in it yet. That's exactly the phrase that I've said before is how can I expect her to act differently when I'm not sharing exactly. who I am with her? She exactly. just doesn't know a lot of pieces. Yeah. Well, there's the word pieces. So <laughs> show, show her the full puzzle and how yeah. it all fits together mm-hmm. and give her a chance. You know, we want to set people up for success the best way we can. And a lot of times we need to teach people how to love us and be with us and what we need. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful is that your mom is 20 years sober and it sounds like she's trying. Right. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's what my therapist said. You know, she, you act like you need to walk on eggshells around her, but remember like she's a pretty strong woman. Like mm-hmm. she got through a lot and mm-hmm. still is, you know, upright and yeah. healthy. And Yeah. Yeah. And whatever created the alcoholism, there's a lot of pain there. You know, so she's, she's doing the best she can mm-hmm. and it's just help get into your own compassion by just imagining the pain she probably has about how she was a mother to you. Right. I mean, that guilt has probably been really hard for her to live with and, 
and hard for her to forgive herself. Mm-hmm. And that's another beautiful intention in the letter is wanting a healthier relationship with her so that she actually can get to the point where she really can forgive herself, like in a sense, have a do-over. Yeah. <sighs> that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So fiance is going to listen to the show. He's going to help mm-hmm. with, I got this, asking for more help, really looking at people as puzzles and then working on this letter to your mom. Yeah, that's great. And I'm, I still feel like, you know, I want to do that letter to myself and it feels like this letter to my mom is more important at this moment yes. or what it is coming more naturally. And then, you know, I hope at some point, like, again, those pieces are just going to become more obvious of what to say to her. Yes, they um, will. Because this letter to your mom reinforces, oh, wow, big Sarah's taking care of me now. Yeah. She's speaking up for me. And so mm-hmm. that access point to the younger parts of yourself is going to be easier. Yeah. <sighs> That's so helpful. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you to Sarah for being at a point where she's willing to shift herself so that her relationship with her mother can shift. Remember, we cannot shift other people and we actually can't shift our relationships until we shift something inside ourselves. So that was what so much of this call was about, was shifting something inside Sarah so she could start to express what she really needed from her mother. Because the truth is we cannot expect others to be able to read our minds in terms of how we need to be loved. Her mother was really, really trying hard, but striking out because Sarah wasn't really educating her mom about what she needed. There was so much resentment and hurt and pain in the way. It's like Sarah couldn't express that. Expressing our needs is so, so important. Oh my gosh, I'm learning this so much in my relationship with stuff right now. A lot of times we love others the way we needed to be loved or we wanted to be loved. And sometimes we miss the mark with the person, which is why it's so important to one, ask them what they need, but two, express our needs to them. Set people up for success. Don't expect them to be mind readers so much so that you start collecting evidence against them. And that was what's happening with Sarah. Every attempt her mom made, even her mom watching movies now, was just went into the evidence bucket that Sarah was collecting that her mom still continues to not be there for her. So such a huge part of the coaching session with Sarah was getting her to the point where she was willing to fully express her feelings and needs with her mom. That's why I recommended writing the letter, which interestingly enough, she had already started to write. And the letter is not about blaming her mom and writing a laundry list of what her mom should do, but really about authentically expressing her feelings and needs. There's two main reasons for this. One, in writing that letter, Sarah helps make her own little girl feel safe. So she's parenting herself by finally giving herself a voice. A little more on that later. And like I was saying, she's setting her mother up to win. Her mom was making efforts, but it was, sounds like it was coming from a compensatory guilt place, which is never a good place to come from. And whenever we're coming from guilt, we're usually going to strike out. So let's break this call down a little more. Sarah had to grow up fast. Let's talk about the challenges that arise when we have to grow up fast and we're in a somewhat unpredictable, uncertain, or chaotic environment and or we have to caretake a parent. First, the little boy or little girl inside of all of us gets hidden away 
a long, 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 long time ago. So those of you who had to grow up fast for any reason means your little one had to stop being a little one and had to become a grown up at a very early age. And so often inner child work, you like you hear me on this show say parent yourself, connect your inner child. That's often harder because that little one is so tucked away. It's been, it's, it hasn't been a little one in so long. So that's why it's so important to take action that make them feel safe first. So often when we take behavior as a grown up, unconsciously it tells those younger parts of us, hey, he or she is finally taking action that makes me feel safe. I may start to come forward a little more. So that's why I didn't do too much coaching with Sarah on like talking to her little girl. She even said that was hard for her, like her inner little girl, because she needs to take this action to make herself feel safe first, to make sure she's parenting herself. And then she'll have greater access to that little one inside of her. Next, when growing up with a chaotic or unpredictable parent, we constantly are strategizing, okay, what do I need to do to keep the peace? What do I need to do to keep the peace? Do I need to become a chameleon? Do I need to just shut up right now? Do I need to suppress my needs, suppress my feelings? And we live in a constant state of anxiety because we don't feel safe. So whenever we're in any kind of uncertainty, and it can be uncertainty that's not a threat at all, like walking into a party, not knowing many people, hits that I'm not safe button because it's unpredictable. So it's so, so, so important to create that safety inside. And so much of that is with the self-talk, which I'll get to in a moment. Next thing that happens when children grow up in a chaotic home and have to be caretakers at an early age is they become perfectionists. Because one, that's how they kept the you-know-what from hitting the fan. If I just do everything perfect and I don't get in trouble and I don't rock the boat, then there won't be an explosion and there won't be make more chaos. And perfectionism, and really hear me on this, especially you perfectionists, perfectionism is a not so great way that we try to manage anxiety, but it's kind, it kind of works. Because if we're a perfectionist, we always are doing, 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 doing. We're always making something better. The mind is always racing. And so it gives the anxiety something to do. But you don't want to manage your anxiety by being a perfectionist. And how you start working with this is kind of coming into my fourth point here. It's really about letting go, being messy, asking and receiving help. You know, for Sarah, it really was allowing herself to be taken care of, like allowing her fiance to empty the dishwasher, do something not perfect for him to say to her, I got this, relax, surrender. And then for her receiving help when someone offers to help her say yes, when she has an opportunity to ask someone for help, ask. I also want to talk about some tips I gave her for creating a tribe and dealing with social anxiety because I feel it will be valuable for the, a lot of you as well. So first, start paying attention to what happens to you when you're in a social situation. Become an observer of it, like I told Sarah. Notice that the assumptions you're making about people, about what they're thinking about you, probably really aren't that true at all. And really manage your self-talk. Your self-talk is everything in these situations. How you break patterns is through behavior and belief. So the first step in breaking a pattern of social anxiety is to get yourself out there into social environments. But that's the behavior part. You got to shift the belief part and how you shift the belief part is in your self-talk. So your self-talk doesn't have to be, I'm likable, I'm lovable, everybody likes me. Your self-talk can be more that tone of curiosity. Hmm, I wonder what that person is doing or, or interest. Ooh, I really love that person's outfit. I'm going to go give her a compliment. So that self-talk 
helps form those new neural nets in our brain. And it's such a big part of shifting the patterning. That way you don't have to become a chameleon to feel safe. And you can also become self-expressed in terms of curiosity. I gave Sarah that tip of looking at people like puzzles. And I love this for her because she loved puzzles and tips for coaches. When you're coaching clients, try to find something that they loved as a kid and draw a parallel to it. How can they bring it more into their adult life, an activity or an interest that will, one, help something feel a little safer to them and, two, help them connect to that inner child? So if we look at people like puzzles, as I told Sarah, how would you interact with them? And I really loved puzzles too, which is probably why I love doing this podcast so much. I just find people so fascinating. And I use this whenever I'm in a social situation or any situation where my little adolescent insecure awkwardness gets triggered, I'm like, oh, how can I be curious? How can I really be interested in others rather than be so self-focused and self-conscious? And finally, I want to say before I get to your takeaways, I didn't get too much into forgiveness and processing stuff with mom. I got Sarah to a place of compassion, of really looking at how guilty her mom must feel. But I like to take things a step at a time. Eventually, and I know she's seen a therapist as well, which is why I know she's in good hands. Eventually, she'll get to the forgiveness work. She's got some resentment and anger to process, which is why I so recommended she comes to the spring retreat so she can just get that handled (laughs) in a weekend. So any of you that have any old anger or resentment, come to the March retreat get it handled in a weekend, and just be done with it so you can move on. So that's where she is in her process. And eventually she'll get more to forgiveness and really can let her mom back in her heart. But she's got a little steps in between. Remember, healing isn't an overnight process. So some takeaways for you. Really letting go of that perfectionism, letting yourself be messy, and letting go, asking for support and receiving it, even if it's not perfect. Setting people you love up for success. Really set them up for success. Teach them how to be there for you and love you. Look at people like puzzles. Manage your self-talk when you're in any situations that feel unsafe. And take actions in your adult life that help reparent that inner child. And finally, write a letter to someone. If you if you have someone in your life that you're wanting to set boundaries with, that you're wanting to shift the relationship with, consider writing a letter. If you go back and listen to my Coach's Corner I did with Jill on the power of experiential work when we're talking about the spring retreat, Jill shares about how after the retreat, she wrote a, like a 26-page letter to her mom that completely shifted and healed their codependent and mesh relationship. So there's there's power to these letters. The one thing I'll recommend is having a professional like a coach or a therapist or even a friend who's done a lot of work to make sure it's not too blamey and resentful because you want to express yourself, but you don't want the other person to be so defensive they can't hear it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know there was a lot to talk about today. Thank you so much for listening. Before we sign off, I just want to tell you about another Podcast One show you might enjoy. It's called The Natalie Eva Marie Show. She's a former WWE and Total Diva star, and she and her husband, Jonathan, team up to deliver one-of-a-kind opinions not heard on any other podcast. She's got rotating guests, celebrities, influencers, and activists. Get ready to be informed, intrigued, and entertained. Check out The Natalie Eva Marie Show every Wednesday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, everybody, that's our show for this week. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Over at Non With It. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. 